Well, good morning, 11 o'clock. How are y'all doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, we're in a series called Face the Music today. And uh, if, if you haven't figured out, we, we did a little bit of country right there. Anybody like some country music, some country music fans in here? All right, all right, all right. If you don't know this or not, I, I know that I give a lot of 90s rap references uh, because that's what I grew up with. But if you actually get inside my truck, there's a good chance you're gonna hear some country music in there. And so, uh, and so I'm a big country music fan. I, 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 think it, I, I just think it's great. I love that song. Kind of before we dive in today, though, I just I wanna tell you about a couple things. Number one is, is that, man, if you weren't here last weekend, you missed out. And so I'll say that because we have had one of the overseers of our church. His name is David Payne. He's a pastor of Lifesong Church. He was here last weekend and he spoke and man, he threw down. If you missed out, I wanna encourage you, go to our website, go to our coastal app, watch that message because I think it was significant for us as individuals but also for us as a church. So I'd love for you to check that out. I, I was challenged by it. I've talked to other people that have been challenged by it. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Also, everybody say March 9th. Say March 9th. That's this Thursday. This Thursday at 6 p.m. at the city of Parkland in their commission's chambers, we have our final approval for planning and zoning and community redevelopment, our community appearance board for our master site plan for our building in Parkland, Florida. Listen, if you're able to attend that meeting to be a support, that would absolutely be incredible. We, we could use your help. If you live in Parkland, that's even better because you can actually say something at that meeting. And so uh, this is a big deal for us. This is us to be able to move forward, to be able to break ground this summer, which we're believing to do. And we have our immeasurably more miracle offering next weekend to be able to do that. So I'm excited about what God is doing in our church right now. It's an incredible incredible, incredible thing to be a part of, and, and I love, love, love being your pastor, especially in this season as we're seeing God do a lot of really, really cool things. But today, we're going to be talking about this song called Front Porch Looking In, and we're going to be talking about the, the priorities that we have in life, and I love some words out of this song. I just, I'll put them in my notes, and, and this guy says, I've traveled here and everywhere. Following my job, I've seen the paintings from the air brushed by the hand of God, the mountains and canyons reach from sea to shining sea, but I can't wait to get back home to the one he made for me. It's anywhere I'll ever go and everywhere I've been. Nothing takes my breath away like my front porch looking in. Now, why in the world would a guy write that? And, and I think the reason he writes that is because he realizes that while the, the people tell us the best things in life are things, the reality is, is the best things in life have never, ever been things. They've always been relationships. And we can try to achieve and we can try to accomplish and we can go all over the world. But the greatest impact and the most meaningful thing that we will ever experience typically is gonna happen within the context of relationships. And so today I wanna talk to you about the most important relationships I believe should be for everyone's life. And, uh, and tonight or today I wanna give you some principles for great relationships, specifically when it comes to family, when it comes to parenting. Uh, and these don't just apply to parenting and family and husband and wife. I think they apply to all relationships. And so we're gonna be looking at a story out of Mark chapter 10. And this is a story where 
some parents are bringing their children to Jesus. And uh, this is what happens in Mark chapter 10. If you want to follow along in your worship God, if you want to follow along in your Bible, you just want to watch on the screen. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. And so in this little story, uh, Jesus is encountering some parents and some children. And right in this story, I believe that there are three unchanging principles for great, great, healthy relationships. And I love the simplicity of the gospel. I love the simplicity of Jesus. I think we make Jesus and relationships way more complicated. And so right here, Jesus gives us three keys to having healthy, awesome relationships. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes. It's this idea of loving touch. It's this loving and appropriate touch that communicates, man, there's this unconditional love, there's this unconditional acceptance that comes through touch. It says in verse 13, People were bringing the little children to Jesus to have them touch him. Now, why were those people bringing their kids to Jesus to touch them? And I think the reason they were bringing their children to Jesus for Jesus to touch them is because there's power in our touch. Now, but for a long time, I would read this scripture and I saw it totally differently because I have kind of a perverted view of what I think touch is because I've watched too much TBN or or. Christian TV networks where you have the televangelists with the, the crazy slick back hair, you've all seen them, and people come up and they lay hands on them and they push them over, you know, and so, so I imagine Jesus' kids coming up and he's like, let the bodies hit the floor, you know, and just throwing them down <laughs> with his touch. And, uh, and so when I would read scriptures, I'm just telling you how I read scripture, okay? I'm not saying it's right perception of what this looked like. Kids are coming in and Jesus throwing them down, throwing them, get them, bless them, bless them, pushing them over, messing up their hair. Like, and, uh, and so like I actually started diving into this and the, there's a word here for touch here, the Greek word, uh, John Vogel. What is the name of this word? Haptobomy. He's Jewish. He can tell me. He's, and that literally means to attach oneself to, to embrace, or it's this loving tender touch and so when Jesus is touching these children it's not like he is really doing that what is probably happening is he's probably sitting there and these kids are running and jumping into his lap just like kids do with Santa Claus and he's sitting there and he's embracing them and he's touching them in an appropriate way and these kids are feeling confident and they're feeling loved and they're feeling acceptance in that moment it was this very very relational moment now, as I was studying, I found this thing that uh, King Frederick II did in the 13th century. He wanted to do a study on kids to see what would happen if he was to eliminate relationships out of kids' lives. And so what he did is he took 50 newborn babies 
And he said, hey, he put them in this room and he said, hey, this is what I want. I don't want anybody to talk to them. I don't want anybody to touch them. I just want you to feed them what's necessary for them to survive. And I wanna see what happens in their life. How do they, how do they develop uh, talking skills? How do they develop relationally? I wanna see what takes place. And so he started this study. And so there was no like uh, soothing those babies as they cried. There was no going over to their crib and going, go, go, go. You know, there was none of that kind of stuff. And within the first year, every single one of those children died. Well, you go, well, that's because they, were, they, they, didn't, they didn't have any nutrition. No, 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 they were all fed properly. The problem was is that when the emotional and relational elements, the physical touch was taken away, they were missing one of the most critical things for them to survive life. And so it kind of makes me curious to, to know, like, how many of you guys are kind of touchy-feely, like, you like to hug a lot kind of people? Come on, with a show of hands, where are my touchy-feely people at? Go on, raise them up high. Be proud. Be proud that you're huggers. Everybody look around and see who the huggers are. You need a hug. That's who you go to. Okay, where, where, where are my people that are, are not very touchy-feely? Like, you don't, you don't like hugs. You don't believe in hugs. You think that's from the devil. Uh, like, that's... Come on, raise your hand. Be proud if you're not a touchy-feely kind of person. Okay, okay, not, not quite as many. I, I'm not a, a, a touchy-feely kind of person. Um, that I, I, in fact, I would use that as an excuse. People want to come up and give me hugs, and I'd be like, man, that's, that's not really my gig. I, I high-five. If you notice, when I meet people, I high-five them. That's because I can keep a distance there. You see what I'm saying? Like, people go in for the hug, and I'm like, hey, that's my stiff arm. In fact, I made up kind of my own touch rules in life. And so, like, when people come up to me, I, I think uh, good touch rules. Alex, can I borrow you for a second? Come on, come on. So a good touch rule is like a good, firm handshake, look in the eye. That's a Holy Spirit moment right there, right? Amen. Amen. That's, that's where it's at. You know, and, and, and so, like, but I realized that a lot of, no, Alex, I'm not done with you yet. All, all six foot six of you, this is my twin, by the way. If you haven't noticed, we look identical. And so, so what I realized is, is people, especially guys like Alex, who are extremely good looking, they don't have any problem with hugs. And so, so I realized that there, there's an appropriate amount of hugging. And so let me show you an appropriate hug real quick. It's, okay, that's it. Nope, that's, that, was a, that was a little bit too much, Alex. A little bit too much. Just a, see, that's the problem. He's one of those huggy, touchy, feely kind of people. And so what happens is, is there's people that are out there that way, and, and, and I, don't, I don't really get it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I grew up playing sports, and now appropriate touch in sports is completely different, right? Like, you go, you make a good play, you're like, what's up, dude? You know, like, that's totally appropriate. <laughs> now, it gets weird when you're in the office and somebody gives a presentation and you're like, hey, what's up, you know? That's weird. Listen, it's okay to give the, the pat on the butt as long as it's a, it's, a, it's a hand like this. Don't cup that hand. Mm, we don't do that. No cupping here. Okay, you can sit down. Thanks, Alex. Come on, give it up for Alex. I started, I started realizing, like, like, and so I've, I've made all these, these rules in my life, and, and, and I'm glad we settled that now, so now you guys know what's appropriate here, uh, but, like, when I, when I started, when I got married, and, and 
I started pastoring churches. I started realizing that, like, there's a lot of huggy kind of people. Now, I'm not a super emotional guy. I, I don't understand crying. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, like, I don't get those kind of things. Uh, but God started doing something in my life. And, and, and like, now I, I'm all over my wife in a, in a non-sexual appropriate way. Let me just say that. Uh, and, and, uh, and sometimes, like, I'll just lose control with another guy, and I'll go in for a hug, and I'll give him, like, four pats. You know, it's, like, it's crazy. So uh, no excuses on your part. And I know some of you are going to be, well, well I'm, I'm just not that affectionate kind of guy. I'm not affectionate with my spouse. I'm not affectionate with my kids. Well, you need to be. It's an important element in relationships, and it's an important element for their lives. Check this out, Mark 6, 56, and it says, wherever he went, referring to Jesus, into villages and towns and countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Now, check this out, I did a word study in the New International Version, and I went all throughout the New Testament every time where Jesus and touch came together, every time that that happened, which was 20 times in the New Testament, there was some sort of healing that took place in people's lives. And there is healing within our touch. Now, check this out. I did some research for parents out there, and I found out that parents play an important, important role when it comes to their children, especially uh fathers and daughters because what happens is is his daughter starts growing up when they're young dads are real affectionate real loving but as they start getting to those preteen years where bodies start changing and things start happening that it, it becomes they're a little bit more standoffish at that point and the thing is is that it says that it's during those times that girls actually need appropriate loving affection in those moments. And so dads, I know that it's awkward in those times, but they say that girls in that time, it actually elevates five times more than when they're kids. And the reason you need to be going and giving them that loving, appropriate affection is because when they're taught what a loving, appropriate affection looks like, from a godly man, they'll learn to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly man. And that's an important thing as dads. Moms, you, you play a role in that too. You need to continue to love and show that affection. Now on the flip side, it becomes weird for you moms when it comes to your little boys because when they're little, they're all about hugs, but they start getting seven, eight years old, nine years old. Hugging isn't cool anymore, is it? And so all of a sudden you've got a dilemma because you want to embrace, but they ain't having it anymore. That's not cool to give you a kiss before they get out of the car at school. So what you need to do is you need to figure out that, man, instead of doing that, I need to come up with a secret handshake for my son or something. Or when they get home, I need to, I need to set it up to where we have a nerf fight and I end up tackling them and having a good time. Because they still need touch in an appropriate, loving, affectionate way. And it's not just for your kids, it's for your marriage as well. Guys, this is so, so important. I know for me, and I'm sure for many of you, you thought it was so romantic and appropriate to walk up to your wife and go, hur, 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 hey babe, you know, like. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. Come on, you've all done it. <laughs> you thought that that would turn her on. And, and I thought it would turn her on too until Shayla told me differently. I'd be like. Yeah. 
She said, yeah, she, I didn't surprise, I'm surprised that God said that, so I don't know. But she started saying, like, listen, I, I, I want some non-sexual appropriate touch. Let's hold hands. And holding hands does not mean let's go to the bedroom. That just means I want to hold your hand. I know that this is crazy, guys, but listen, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> Loving, appropriate touch. You can do it. Second thing Jesus teaches us here in this passage is abundant time. It's abundant time in verses 13 and 14. It says, the little people were bringing little children to Jesus to have them touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was ticked. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Why was Jesus bad? Because he wanted to spend time with those kids. And time is an interesting dynamic today because we are busier than ever in our society. In fact, some statistics for you that might actually kind of blow your mind. The average mother spends one hour and 55 minutes with their child every day. Uh, that could be sitting in front of the TV together. That could be eating together. That could be driving in a car that's considered spending time together. The average father spends 62 minutes with their child every day. And I couldn't find this for moms, but I could find it for dads. Out of that 62 minutes, 37 seconds of that is in meaningful, deep conversation. The average family today spends a total of 32 minutes a day together. And I get it. Listen, we're, we're busier than ever. Like, most families have both parents working jobs, and then on top of parents working jobs, we want our kids to experience everything. So that means they're in every club, they're in every sports activity. There are more things going on than we've ever had to deal with in our entire lives. And then in homes that aren't with a husband and wife, and it's just a single parent, I have no idea how you make it work, because you're working one, two, three jobs, getting your kids dressed, getting them to this place, getting them to that place, getting them fed, and they're still alive. Like it's impressed, it blows my mind. And you do it without any emotional support or physical support from other people. But what that tells me is that we are busier than ever and it's, it's really, really easy for us to just come up with an excuse that says, you know what, I don't really have time to spend with my kids. I don't really have time to go out on a date with my spouse. And we just give excuses. And let me tell you right now, there is not a valid excuse for you not spending time with your kids and not spending time with your spouse. I know some of you are like, but I don't have any time. No, 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 you have time for what you make time for. What's important to you? And I know so many people that go, but you know what? Right now I'm working on my MBA and I'm trying to achieve all this. When I finish all of that, then I'll have time to spend with my kids. Or right now you're trying to advance up the career ladder and you're, you're working double time and you're trying to make it all the way up there and you say, you know what, when I make this level of senior management, then I'll have time to go out on a date with my spouse. Or you're trying to get enough money and you're saying to yourself, man, I just need to earn, 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 earn so that at the end of this year when it's the holidays, then I'll have time for my family. And let me just tell you, if you don't decide to do it now, most likely you'll never decide to make time for him. You have to choose what you make time for. And here's the problem for a lot of us. 
You love your family with all of your heart. You do. I, I truly believe it. You love your family in your heart. The problem is, is you don't love them in your schedule. And they can't see your heart, but they see your schedule every single day. Billy Graham, who's probably the greatest evangelist of our time and lived one of the most honorful, God-fearing, integrity-filled lives. He was asked by a reporter one day, if you had to do your life all over again, what would you do differently? Phenomenal question. Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, I would have done tens of thousands of more crusades to win more and more people for Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I, I would set up another institution where I could train church leaders to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I, I would have written three more books that would have been New York Times bestsellers and people would have read and, and discovered more about who they are in Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. When this reporter asked him, what would you do differently if you had to do your life over again? This is what he said. Although I have much to be grateful for as I look back over my life, I have many regrets. I've failed many times and I would do many things differently. For one thing, I would speak less and study more. And more importantly, I would spend more time with my family. He said, if I could do it over again, I would put abundant time into the category of Jesus and the category of my home life. If I could go back and redo everything, and for you and I, what that is talking about right here, it's about reprioritizing our life about, around what matters most. It's putting the big rocks of what's most important in our life into our world. And reprioritizing your world around your family is not a good idea, it's a God idea. Listen, nowhere in scripture are we commanded to lay down our life for our stock options. We're not. Or to love your career like Christ loved the church. We're commanded to do our work and love our family. And when you love your job and do your family, you're just not outside the bounds of your family life, you're outside the will of God for life. And listen, I understand busy. See, because I get an invite from almost every single person to every single crisis that's going on in their life. I get an invite to every single baby birth. I get an invite to every single funeral. I get an invite to every single kid's play. I get invited to all kinds of things all the time on top of the duties that I, I just have to do every single week just to get up here and talk to you and to lead our staff and to do construction projects and do all those things. Like, I got a busy life, but I will never sacrifice time with my wife for some other thing. Because what I've learned is all those other things are gonna fade away, but there's one thing that said, I will love you till death do you part. And that's her. As much as I love you, as much as that problem is a crisis for you and your marriage, listen, it was a crisis yesterday, it's gonna be a crisis tomorrow. I'll get to you tomorrow. I don't hate you. I just love my wife. And maybe if you would take a step back, you'd realize, man, if I just love my wife or if I just love my spouse or if I just did this, like, I wouldn't have that problem that I'm having right now. Because listen, we got a minuscule amount of time here. In fact, James tells us, what is your life? You are a mist that peers for a little while 
and then vanishes. Don't trade your role of parenting. Don't trade your role of spousing, if that's even a word, that nobody else can play for a job that anyone else can and will play sometime later. Listen, nobody can be your child's father. Nobody else can be your child's mother. Nobody else can be your spouse's husband. Nobody else can be your spouse's wife. You are the best version of that. The greatest thing that's gonna happen is gonna be inside of your home, not outside of it. And this is for somebody in here, and I love what Andy Stanley says, and I think somebody needs to hear it today because a lot of us, we're trying to achieve in life. And Andy Stanley says this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And some of us need to realize that it's not about achieving things, it's about raising somebody up that's gonna change the world. And the only way you're gonna have that kind of impact is if you surround yourself around them and give them the time that is necessary. And so Jesus is encouraging us with loving touch, abundant time, and thirdly, encouraging talk. In verse 16, he says, he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And I love that picture that Jesus goes and he, he blesses them and he encourages them and he lifts them up with his words. He isn't saying, hey, stop that. Stop messing with your brother. You're, you're a disgrace. No, Jesus blesses them. And one of the greatest things that we can be to our spouse, one of the greatest things that we can do for our kids is to be a constant source of encouragement for them. I believe that when, when our family encounters us, that should be the most life-giving encounter of their day every single day. Like when they come unto us, no matter what's happening in life, no matter how bad, it, bad it's been at work, no matter how bad it's been at school, when they walk away from us, their life is better. Because we've chosen to build them up and to encourage them. I know that when Shayla and I got married, uh, Shayla comes from a, a background where she was told she wouldn't be able to accomplish anything, that she would never amount to anything, that she had all this negativity in her life. And so when I first met Shayla, Shayla had a very low self-image of herself. And I remember as we were dating and as, as we were getting ready to be married, I, I remember telling, telling her and telling God, I, I said, man, Shayla is going to be the most encouraged person on the face of the earth. Every chance I get, I'm gonna tell her how beautiful she is, how amazing she is. I'm gonna look for opportunities to edify her and build her up. Anything that she decides she wants to do, I'm gonna be her greatest cheerleader in life. So she says, man, I wanna go do this. I'm like, come on, babe, let's do that. How can I help you out? What can I do to support you? How can I make you better? And if you've ever encountered my wife, you might find that today she has a little bit too much confidence. <laughs> but you know what? I'm gonna continue to build that up because you know what I'm called to be? I'm called to be the greatest encourager to her. Just like you're called to be the greatest encourager to your children and to your spouse and to your friends. Like literally when they encounter you, man, they should be changed. They should go, man, I don't know what's up with them, but I like them. In fact, I, I, I love that what just blows my mind is, and I realized this week, is the only time that God audibly spoke to Jesus, he spoke encouragement. Matthew chapter three, verse 17, God looks down from heaven and it says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Think about it, God has one opportunity, he's got one shot, 
to, to proclaim whatever he wants to say to his son. And he takes the opportunity to build him up. And I think about it, the fact that if God would take one opportunity to build up his son, what should we be taking every single day? We should be taking the opportunity to build people up, to encourage people. And listen, as, as a son, there's nothing I wanted more in life than my parents to affirm me. Many of you have heard that I, I was a college athlete. and Well, in high school, I remember my senior year. My parents were extremely successful in life, but while the cost of success was lack of relationship. My senior year, my parents made it to one football game. In fact, when I was signing my letter of intent to Carson Newman in Tennessee, they didn't even show up for my signing day. Some of the most important moments in my life, my, my parents weren't available for because they weren't there. And just a couple weeks ago, my parents were in town and they hadn't been to a church service in three or four years. And after church, they, we got home and man, more than anything, all of my life, all I wanted was for my parents to affirm me and finally it was happening. But you know what I realized in that moment? That their affirmation was a little late there because their affirmation didn't matter one bit compared to what Shayla told me. See, a lot of times we think we got all the time in the world, but parents, you gotta realize that that child that's been born to you, they're a baby right now, and you blink your eyes and they're gonna be walking. And the next time you blink, that child goes from walking to riding their bike. Then you blink again and they're getting in a car and driving off. You blink again and they're getting married and your opportunity is gone. Make the most of your opportunity right now. Don't miss your moment to put some touch there, some, some loving touch and get some abundant time and some encouraging talking there. And then remember, don't just give it to them because there's gonna be somebody that's gonna be there when they leave. And it'd be a good idea if you knew them too. And so Jesus right here, he goes, man, keys to having healthy, abundant, loving relationships comes down to your time, your talk, and your touch. So simple, but yet so profound. Let's pray. God, we just come before you, and I thank you that you have been and always will be a relational God that you've set out from the very beginning to establish and create healthy relationships from the garden till today. And you've done whatever it takes to reestablish those relationships. And as your son Jesus is teaching us about uh, 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 loving touch and abundant time and encouraging talk, God, I pray that as we assess our lives, that we would go, God, where, where are the areas that I'm lacking? What are the areas that I'm slacking in? And God, that we would, we would reprioritize our life around what matters most, that we would make the front porch looking in the most important part of our lives, knowing that that is where our legacy is gonna come from. That's where the difference is gonna be made because that's what's gonna last forever. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us here today.